0: The reading of God's word this morning begins in 2 Chronicles chapter 30 <clears throat> beginning in verse 1 Hear the word of the Lord Now Hezekiah sent all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of Yahweh at Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover to Yahweh, the God of Israel. For the king and his princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem had decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month, since they could not celebrate it at that time, because the priests had not consecrated themselves in sufficient numbers, nor had the people been gathered to Jerusalem. Thus the thing was right in the sight of the king and all the assembly. So they established a decree to circulate a proclamation throughout all Israel, from Beersheba even to Dan, that they should come to celebrate the Passover to Yahweh, the God of Israel, at Jerusalem. For they had not celebrated it in great numbers as it was prescribed. And the couriers went throughout all Israel and Judah with the letters from the hand of the king and his princes, even according to the command of the king, saying, O sons of Israel, return to Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel that he may return to those of you who escaped and who are left from the hand of the kings of Assyria. And do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were unfaithful to Yahweh, the God of their fathers, so that he, may them, he made them horror as you see. Now do not stiffen your neck like your fathers, but yield to Yahweh and enter his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever, and serve Yahweh your God, that his burning anger may turn away from you. For if you return to Yahweh... Your brothers and your sons will find compassion before those who led them captive and will return to this land. For Yahweh, your God, is gracious and compassionate and will not turn his face away from you if you return to him. So the couriers passed from the city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh and as far as Zebulun, but they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. Nevertheless, some men of Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. The hand of God was also on Judah to give them one heart to do what the king and the princes commanded by the word of Yahweh. Now, many people were gathered at Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of unleavened bread in the second month, a very large assembly. And they arose and removed the altars which were in Jerusalem. They also removed all the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the fourteenth of the second month. And the priests and Levites were ashamed of themselves and consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings to the house of Yahweh. And they stood at their stations after their custom, according to the law of Moses, the man of God. The priests sprinkled the blood which they received from the hand of the Levites, for there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves. Therefore, the Levites were over the slaughter of the Passover lambs for everyone who was unclean in order to consecrate them to Yahweh. For a multiple multitude of the people, even many from Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun, had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover otherwise than pres- otherwise than prescribed. For Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord pardon everyone who prepares his heart to seek God, Yahweh, the God of his fathers, though not according to the purification rules of the sanctuary. So Yahweh heard Hezekiah and healed the people, and the sons of Israel. Present in Jerusalem, celebrated the feast of unleavened bread for seven days with great joy. And the Levites and the priests praised Yahweh day after day with loud instruments to Yahweh. Then Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good insight in the things of Yahweh. So they ate for the appointed seven days, sacrificing peace offerings and giving thanks to Yahweh, the God of their fathers. Then the whole assembly decided to celebrate the feast another seven days. So they celebrated the seven days with joy. For Hezekiah, king of Judah, had contributed to the assembly 1,000 bulls and 7,000 sheep, and the princes had contributed to the assembly 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep, and a large number of priests consecrated themselves. And all the assembly of Judah rejoiced with the priests and the Levites and all the assembly that came from Israel, both the sojourners who came from the land of Israel and those living in Judah. So there there was great joy in Jerusalem, because there was nothing like this in Jerusalem since the days of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Then the Levitical priests arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came to his holy dwelling place, to heaven. We'll turn now to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Jesus therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, that these may eat? And this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus therefore took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. When therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is of a truth the prophet who has come into the world. If you would now please turn to the back of your bulletins, we'll read together as a congregation Psalm 98. Psalm 98. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, and with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: We believe in one God, the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as The Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scripture he ascended to heaven and as seated at the right hand of the father he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead his kingdom will never end and we believe in the holy spirit the lord the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son, He is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come amen Amen. father we are cleansed from our sins and now we come into your presence to hear your word and we have one simple prayer only you can answer The prayer of our Savior sanctifies in the truth. Thy word is truth. This we pray in the grand name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. To understand 2 Chronicles chapter 30, which I said to the elders this morning, is just an absolutely remarkable chapter. Hopefully, we'll discover that. The preacher's not remarkable. The chapter is. So you can go home and read it and reread it, and uh, you will gain uh, insight. It comes early in Hezekiah's reign, follows chapter 29, and so you have to think of what came before Hezekiah. And Ahaz came before Hezekiah, and he was an awful, awful king, even though a son of David. And he shut the doors to the house of God, and he put altars all around in the temple complex, and through the city, and out through Judah, and he put altars to burn incense for six years years the doors of the Lord's house were unopened for 16 years the Levites and the priests had nothing to do for 16 years there was no need to be clean because there was no sanctuary to go to and worship the Lord God For 16 years, the people languished under a king who taught them to worship idols. Then Hezekiah, Yahweh strengthens. He brought forth a son of David, and he had his name called Hezekiah because he was going to strengthen him, because Yahweh God cares about his people. And even when they begin to fall away from him, he cares about them. And he brought a man to do four things. First, to restore the temple, because that's where God had decided to place his name. And when it came to all the festivals that Israel conducted, they had to come to the house of God to do them three times a year. And the first festival was the festival of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread and the offering of the lamb. And it had to happen at the house of the Lord. And it was a whole family affair A father came, and he could not partake with his wife of the lamb if he was unclean. So because of that, some people had to bury dead bodies, and they became unclean, and they didn't get to cleanse themselves by the ritual that was prescribed in time for the Passover. And so provision was made in Numbers chapter 9 for there to be a second Passover in the second month on the 14th day for those who had been on long trips or who had been unclean. No one could participate in the Passover except an Israelite and someone who was bought into the house as a servant first had to be circumcised and a sojourner in the land if he wanted to participate in passover he first had to become circumcised and then according to exodus chapter 12 he was regarded counted native Oh, my goodness, all of a sudden, Egyptians became Israelites. It's not surprising. All through the Old Testament, of course, men went to battle, and they gained the booty of their battle, and they could choose a woman out of the booty and marry that woman, and she wasn't Jewish, but all of a sudden, Jewish. You had to have a connection to eat the Passover. 16 years have gone by and nothing but uncleanness, no sacrifice, no Passover. And Hezekiah comes along, and we saw last week in chapter 29 that he cleansed the temple. Through the people, the temple was cleansed. The temple is very important because it is the place where God chose to put his name. And so in this big land, not big compared to the United States, but in this big land, here's a place called Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, here's put a temple, and in that temple, there's a place where God's name dwells, and it's in the inner sanctuary, which in the tabernacle was 10 cubic feet. In the temple, it's 20 feet cubic feet cubed 20 cubits cubed and when you get down to the end of the bible lo and behold you discover this city that comes down from heaven is made in the form of a queue and in american measurement terms it is 1500 miles cubed god's name is in a small room and by the way when you get to the temple that room is called Deborah Deborah is the word that means word and then it stretches out to 1500 miles and who's there the word so when it's time for Passover and you've got to come to the temple you've got to be clean You got to be prepared. And if you're unclean, you're in trouble. Then Yahweh appeared to Solomon in the night, and he said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place. For myself as a house, as a house for sacrifice, this is where my name's going to be. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence on my people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place for now i have chosen and consecrated made holy this house with my name uh, that my name may uh, forever be there my eyes and my heart will be there for all time tabernacle 10 cubi- cubits cubed temple 20 cubits cubed new jerusalem 1500 miles cubed. Thrown here, the word of God. Thrown here, the word of God. In the city, there is the lamb, the word of God. This is where God's name dwells. Passover, of course, is very important in Israel's history. It is to be an annual uh, celebration on the fourteenth day of the first month of the year the lamb is sacrificed and the whole family partakes of this lamb and of course back in Israel the blood was spread around the door and they went inside and they waited for the call and then a whole family came walking out through that door spread with blood the red sea and they became moses people new life now every passover after that is looking back to that one event but of course it's their heritage we were slaves now we are free and god calls on them To participate in that annually and it hasn't been done the way that it was supposed to be done and so in chapter 30 of 2nd Chronicles Hezekiah goes to setting things straight and he does it a little abnormally so in verses 1 through 5 we are told it's kind of an introduction that Hezekiah and his princes and all the assembly, they had decided to, if you're sporting a New American Standard, it's the word celebrate. If you're using the ESV, it's keep. The word in Hebrew just means do the Passover. They decided to do the Passover in the second month on the 14th day because they couldn't do it As the time had actually been prescribed. And two reasons are listed. First. Because there weren't a sufficient number of priests consecrated. So all the people are coming to do Passover. And they have all these lambs that are going to be sacrificed. And there aren't enough priests to do the work. So they put it off for a month. The second reason is because the assembly had not been gathered. And of course, we saw in chapter 29, the reason they weren't gathered is in the first month, it took them 16 days to clean out the whole temple complex and consecrate it to the Lord. So they'd already passed the prescribed time of of the Passover. So for that reason, they decided. And of course, Hezekiah as a thinker. He's a a Davidic king. He has wisdom. And he takes principles from God's word. And he looks back to, to Numbers 9. He says, oh, back there in Numbers 9, there was an occasion when they went to the second month. And it's when people were unclean, couldn't celebrate the Passover at the prescribed time. Or they'd been on a long journey, so they were gone. And so we have a similar situation here. So let's go for the second month and the 14th day and so that's just what they did and they made a decree and they sent couriers throughout the whole territory of judah and israel from beersheba to dan from south to north they went everywhere and certain tribes are mentioned but you can guess they're just a a, 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 just so you don't have to list every quarter they're they're just put up there as a sample and they went out to call people to the Passover. And so the couriers went. And, uh, and, and so you see down in verse 5 of chapter 30. So, then, so they decreed to make a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba to Dan that the people should come and keep the passover to yahweh the god of israel at jerusalem and they had not for they had not kept it uh, as often as prescribed well it's prescribed once a year there's a problem there if you have a new american standard i'm reading from the esv this morning uh if you have a numeric standard, it's a plot, it suggests that it wasn't a big enough celebration. It probably means they hadn't kept it year by year. Of course, all through his reign, they did not keep it, and so now now they're going to get the system going again. And so, verses six and following are very important. So the couriers went throughout all Israel and judah with letters from the king and his princes as the king had commanded saying o people of israel return to yahweh the god of abraham isaac and israel you know you notice a little difference there it's not the god of abraham isaac and jacob It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Of course, Israel is Jacob's new name for the nation. So now we're not just talking about the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom. We're talking about Israel as a whole, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Uh, that he may turn again to the remnant of you, who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. So now we have a time marker when this took place. So the northern kingdom fell into captivity under Assyria, and Assyria came in among all the tribes of the north, the ten tribes, and they carried away people captive, and then they repopulated the area with assyrians so now in the northern kingdom in the 10 areas the tribes live in we have jewish people who didn't they escaped being taken away they're still there and we have assyrians they're all there and this message goes out to the whole people and it says and it says now return to the lord so you're going this way Now you need to go this way. Because remember, when the kingdom split, Jeroboam, he put a golden calf in the south and in the north, and he prevented people from going to the house of the Lord to worship. And so they've been involved in in graven images, and they've been involved in other kinds of idolatry, like worshiping Baal, all down through this time and it's time to return to the lord it says in verse seven do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were faithless to yahweh god of their fathers so that he made them a desolation as you see so you think of uh, somebody coming into the united states shall we say china All right. And they want to take us over, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to make life hard on us. They're going to destroy our crops. They're going to take our food. They're going to take our goods. They're going to take our kids. And then what are they going to do? They're going to send more Chinese people in here. That's what happened. And God did this to his people because they were faithless. It's our word that flows through Chronicles. Ma'al. They transgressed. That is, here's the law. The law is good and holy and just and righteous. And they said, no, we'll cross over that law. We'll transgress. They were unfaithful. So God did just what the covenant with Israel said you know Deuteronomy, and you know Leviticus, and you know Exodus, you know that for obedience, pause, not perfection, obedience, so that when you sin, you bring the proper sacrifice. For obedience, God would bless them and keep them in the land. But if they turned away from God and disobeyed Worshipping other gods, God would spit them out of the land. And that's exactly what happened to the northern kingdom. Don't be like your fathers. And then in verse 8 it says, and and, and now the land is desolated. Do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were. Uh, Yield yourselves, the word is, give yourselves to Yahweh and come to his sanctuary, his holy place, which he has consecrated, made holy forever, and serve Yahweh your God, that his fierce anger may turn away from you. For if you return to Yahweh, your brothers and your children, the word in Hebrew is sons, your sons, Will find compassion with their captors and return to this land. For Yahweh, your God, is gracious, the word is faithful to his covenant, and merciful, the word is the same word above, compassionate, and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. The message is really simple. It's the same message you find in James. You draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You turn back from serving other gods and turn back this way, I will return to you. And notice the promise. I've spewed your sons and your fathers out of the land, but if you return to me, your captors will have compassion and send your kids And your father's back home. Return to me. I'm a gracious and compassionate God. The word compassion is a word that comes from a mother rearing a child. The word gracious is from a covenant term that means God is faithful to the covenant. You read the covenant. God keeps his end of the covenant. And now he has disciplined his sons and his daughters. He has forsaken his wife to another country, but he says, if you turn back to me, I will come to you. Well, of course, that is a principle that rides all the way down through scripture right into our times because we too stray. And Christians sometimes go quite astray and for some long period of time, and a message comes and they hear it and they turn back to God, and what does God do? He does something that we don't do very well. He forgives. And he takes his sons and his daughters and he takes his wife back. For if you return to Yahweh, your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors and return to the land. For Yahweh, your God, is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you if you return to him. Well now, if you're not happy with somebody, you might stare them down and give them a dirty look or you just might not look at them at all and God's not looking at his people but if they turn around he will remember them so it says in verse 10 so the couriers went from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh and as far as Zebulon but they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. However, some men, some men of Asher, of Manasseh and of Zebulon uh, humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Now, the word humble is an interesting term because it, uh, it's, it's a word that's used in two different ways. It has the same sense, though. If you conquer a people, and we've seen this already in First Chronicles quite a bit, if you conquer a people, you subdue them. And that word subdue is you humble them. And if we were conquered by a foreign country, they would come in here and we would know we're not much of anything because that's how they would treat us. Well, some of these people returned and they humbled themselves. What did they do? They made themselves subject to Yahweh. And of course, you can't be above Yahweh. You cannot tell Him what to do. He tells us what to do so if you're going to humble yourself you come as a suppliant to the lord and you say lord here i am forgive me help me obey you use me so the large majority of those in the north mocked at the message from king hezekiah but some came And in verse 12 says, And the hand of God was also on Judah to give them one heart to do what the king and the princes commanded by the word of the Lord. Well, what the kings and princes commanded by the word of the Lord was Passover. It was a command from a long time ago. But what God did is he took hold of Judah and he gave them a heart to do this, Of course, when we fall into sin and we come back to Christ, that's exactly what we're looking for, isn't it? We're looking for a cleansed heart and a heart that is made new and given to the king of the universe. And we say to Him, Lord, use me. Lord, help me. Lord, cause me to live in such a way that I glorify you. Well, that's just, that's just remarkable. After so much time, now they're going to have the Passover. And there are some different interesting things that happen at the Passover, as we'll see. So if you look down at verse 13, it says, And many people came together in Jerusalem to keep, uh, to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month, A very great assembly so now all of a sudden we have this huge assembly and we're gonna come and we're going to sacrifice the Passover lamb and then in that evening the start of a new day in uh, Jewish time we're gonna start eating unleavened bread for seven days so here they are at the feast and this great number of people are there To eat unleavened bread. And we have to remind ourselves that when you think about Israel coming out of the land of Egypt in haste, and they had no leaven to leaven their bread, so they ate unleavened bread, and this leaven becomes a symbol of something. And uh, I think it's easiest to figure out what that symbol symbol is by coming to the New Testament and reminding ourselves of the disciples who were crossing the sea and they forgot to bring bread in the boat when they went to the other side and Jesus said to them, watch out for the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. And they thought he was upset because they didn't bring bread. And when he noticed they were thinking this way, he said... You know, don't you remember the 5,000 that were fed and how many baskets were taken up? And the 4,000 and how many were fed and how many baskets were taken up? Beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. And then they realized, oh, he's not talking about bread. He's talking about teaching and that's what the public school system wants now they want your kids so they can spread their leaven so your kids will turn out the way they want them to turn out you must resist it with all your might what does the culture want the culture wants you to spread their leaven so you will be like the culture so they will feel better about themselves Well, when you leave Egypt behind, you don't want any of their teaching. You don't want their culture. You don't want their ways. You cross the Red Sea, and you come to Mount Sinai, and what do you get? A new nation with a new law, with a new culture. So they remember that once a year by putting leaven out of their midst. They uh, set to work and removed the altars that were in Jerusalem and all the altars for burning incense. They took and they threw them into the brook Kidron and they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the second month And the priests and the Levites were ashamed so that they consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings into the house of Yahweh. Okay, so what's going on here is, okay, now the house of the Lord's been cleansed, and now you're going to fill this city with a huge host of people, but it's got altars and incense altars to foreign gods all over the city. So what they do is they go cleanse the city to make it consecrated to Yahweh so that when all the people come in, they will not be unclean. And they throw all that junk into the brook Kidron, the Kidron Valley, where it's going to rain and carry all that junk away to the Dead Sea. And then they begin to sacrifice and it says the uh, priests and the Levites were ashamed in other words now it's time to get to work but so many priests and Levites are still unclean they haven't consecrated themselves yet and they're humbled they're ashamed They. Took their customary posts according to the law of Moses, the man of God, and the priests threw the blood that they received from the hand of the Levites. What's he talking about there? Well, when you come and you slit the animal's throat and you put a pitcher under there and you drain all that blood. You take the blood, and only a priest can do this, and the priest comes by the altar and swings the blood against the side of the altar. Why? Because it's a display. It's a display that sin has been forgiven. So they're at their posts. They're doing their work. But there was a problem. For there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves. Therefore, the Levites had to slaughter the Passover lamb for everyone who was not clean to consecrate it to Yahweh. So, when you come... You know, we're, we're, we're used to the grocery store. Except for the Lenters and the Christmans. And it's time to sacrifice your lamb. You got to take the knife and slit the throat. But if you're unclean, that's not good. And so what the Levites did for all these unclean people is they slit the throat so that the lamb would be holy, sanctified. Not some unclean person touching it. And it says, for a majority of the people, many of them from uh, Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulon, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover otherwise than as prescribed for. Hezekiah, had prayed for them, saying, May... I always wonder where this term came from. May the good Lord. There it is. May Yahweh, the good, pardon everyone. Pardon everyone who sets his heart to seek God, the Lord, the God of his fathers even though uh, not according to the sanctuary rules of cleanness so what Hezekiah did is Hezekiah allowed all these unclean people to eat who are not supposed to eat because they're unclean and he prayed to Yahweh God to forgive them and Yahweh God heard and pardoned and Yahweh heard hezekiah and he healed the people so if you come unclean up to the house of the lord you can get yourself put to death if you encroach where you don't belong and you can get pestilence and disease and so i'm assuming all these people are coming who are unclean and yet they're going to eat god has plagued them And Hezekiah entreats on their behalf, and God lets them eat the Passover, and He forgives them. That's remarkable. That's remarkable. So even when we don't understand Scripture exactly as we ought, And even though when we come to the Lord, we may not do things as a, exactly as we should, nevertheless, we have a God who says, Hey, if you are setting your heart to seek me, I will forgive. Of course, these are two important terms in Chronicles. Saul's problem was he sought mediums and spiritists instead of Yahweh. And so it becomes a word we've seen it all the way through Chronicles. We're called to seek the Lord. In lots of places, it's with a whole heart, which is a Solomon heart. But here it says, to set one's heart. And this is a term, again, that runs through Chronicles. And it means to establish your heart. Make it firm. Make yourself understand. Set your mind to it. Okay, what I'm going to do in life now is I am going to seek the Lord. This is remarkable. So God forgives them, not based on going through Jewish rituals which were prescribed but because you had a host of people who were unclean yet they wanted to seek the lord so god says i forgive you you can see way back in second chronicles the last book of the hebrew bible that already there's something happening that moves forward into the new testament Where that ritual is put behind, and what is God doing? He's looking for people who draw near to Him, and He will draw near to them. He's looking for people who, when they sin, they have a heart that is firm towards confessing sin, and He says, I will forgive your sin. It is just a remarkable chapter. This is a people that are a mess from the north and from the south, so much so that God has carried people away captive. And he says, yeah, but if you set your heart and seek me, I will forgive. Remarkable. Well, our time is up, lo and behold. Uh, Let me just read 21 and 22, then I'll make some comments at the end. And it says, the people of Israel who were present uh, at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness, and the Levites and the priests Uh, The Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day over seven days, singing with all their might. And Hezekiah spoke encouragingly, what it really says, he spoke to their heart, to all the Levites who showed good skill in the service of Yahweh. So they ate the food of the festival with for seven days sacrificing peace offerings and giving thanks to the Lord, the God of their fathers. So, during these seven days, there's lots of eating going on. The only bread that's eaten is unleavened bread because they've put in their culture that they've now learned in God's own land behind them and now they're going to they're going to live by God's law. And God has forgiven them at the, at the prayer of Hezekiah, the king. And God is feeding them. And the priests are blowing the trumpets. And the Levites are playing all the instruments. And they're singing with all of their might, praising the Lord. And there's just a great sense of gladness. Why? Well you know when you feel dirty from sin and you know sin confessed is sin forgiven it's just like <sighs> right well it's so good they said decide to do another 7 days just like happened when the temple was dedicated by Solomon well, there's another reason they decided for another seven days. And that's because Hezekiah gave 1,000 bulls and 7,000 sheep. And the princess gave 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep. There's a lot of food to be eaten. And so for the next seven days, this grand multitude eats and rejoices. And you understand, this eating is the eating of the sacrificial animal. This eating is the eating where God eats with you. He gets a portion. The priest gets a portion. Your family and your friends get a portion. It's a peace offering, a sacrifice. You're at rest. You're at peace. And you remember, in the upper room, at the table, there was no standing. No. No attention then, you're laying on your side, you're relaxed. All the prayers, well, where they laid, they didn't stand. That's why when we come to the Lord's table here, we sit. It shows we're at peace. When we stand up and sing, we're addressing our song to Yahweh. But when we sit down at the table, He is saying to us, your sins are forgiven, be at rest, rejoice in me. That's what they were doing. It's a fabulous fabulous section and it says down in verse 26 so there was great joy in jerusalem for since the time of solomon the son of david king of israel there had been nothing like this in all jerusalem then the priests And the Levites arose and they blessed the people and their voice was heard and their prayer came up to his holy habitation in heaven. What was their prayer? The Lord bless you and guard you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Fourteen days of eating and celebrating and singing and praising and remembering the exodus. And week by week, we come to this table to do what? Well, I would say this is what we come to do. We come to proclaim the death of Jesus Christ until he comes. We take this food and in taking it, not by our words, but eating and drinking, we are making a proclamation. We proclaim his death. Why? Because he is the Passover lamb. And he has set us free from sin. And we were born into a new life. Like a baby being born into the world. And we proclaim it until he comes. And what's he doing? Well, he's doing the same thing you see all the way through the Old Testament. He's remembering us. The translation should be do this as my memorial, not in remembrance of me, of course, we're, remembering. we're making a proclamation when we eat and drink the death of Christ until it comes. What's he doing? Well, he's being gracious and compassionate because this God of the universe has stooped to take care of us and he will continue to take care of us and when we partake of this table, he's feeding us Sacred food that transforms us from within. Well, not a little piece of bread and a little cup of wine. Of course, those are emblems that speak of something much deeper. God at work. And just like when you do not read God's word, you do not grow. So it is at the table. If you do not take the supper, you've missed spiritual nourishment. Stand with me. Father, we thank you that you uh, invite us into your place every Lord's Day. And you speak to us from your word after you've forgiven us our sins And then you sit us down at a table and the menu is the Lord Jesus Christ. Bread and wine, flesh and blood. Of course, we know it's an emblem, but it speaks of something much deeper that you are doing. It's a sign that you are doing something in our lives when we eat in faith. And we want to thank you for that. Christ, our Savior, the Passover, has been sacrificed. Amen.